0: Uh, John's Gospel, the goal of John's Gospel is to prove to us, to solidify in our minds that Jesus Christ is God. That he is God Almighty, nothing more, nothing less. He's absolutely God. Of course, he's absolutely man too, but John is making the point about that. And he's saying, not only is this God the God, like the God of the heathens which is a God that is remote and so far away, he is Emmanuel. The Bible tells us he is God with us. And he's making that point. Not only is he powerful, he is powerful, but he's not just powerful, He is powerful, and he is with us. And this is the point I believe that you'll see in John chapter 11 as we go into this. There's a, there's a man who's named Lazarus that's been sick. It's a friend of Jesus. He, Jesus has been called to come and help the family. And then we find, and just as, as, as we find our story, we're picking up the story here in John chapter 11, we'll begin in verse 17. Jesus has already been called, Lazarus has already died, and Jesus is entering the scene, almost, if you will, come into the funeral. It's almost like he's coming to the funeral at this point. And I'd like to ask you to stand with me as we read the Lord's words. We'll read John chapter 11. I'll start in verse 27, or excuse me, verse 17. I'll read down to verse 28, and we'll see what the Lord has for us. And here's what the Lord has given to us Beat Creek Baptist Church on this Sunday morning for us to hear, and let's listen to the words that he gives us. Then when Jesus came... He found that he, Lazarus, had lain in the grave four days already. Now, Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. And then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come. He called for thee. Let's pray together. Father, these folks have come together to, to worship Jesus. And I believe that that is in the heart of at least most of the folks here, if not all. And Lord, I, I want to join them in that, in worshiping Jesus Christ, even and especially in this preaching. I pray, God, that he will be lifted up in certainly what we have to say. But God, even if I get it all wrong, please, your Holy Spirit, guide the hearts of these people to the words of Your of, that you've penned down in your scripture. To show us Jesus is God, Emmanuel, with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I remember asking the question, what is that? And I said it like this, what's that? Just like a snotty little kid <laughs> asking what's that? And I said it with disgust, I said it with disdain, and I said it with disrespect. I was sitting at my mother's dinner table. She had fixed this beautiful spread of food. It was the food that exactly what I needed to provide me with physical strength. It was the food I needed to give me the pleasure of good taste. It was the food I needed to be available to me right here and right now. It wasn't at the, dinner, at the dinner table of the neighbor's house. It was at my house, available to Matthew Tilly. But I looked at it and kind of turned my nose up at it and said, what is that? Now, that's not original to me, by the way. That's exactly what the children of Israel said when they had manna laying on the ground. It was the perfect food in every way. It was exactly what they needed. They'd actually asked God previously, hey, God, could you feed us a little bit? And they looked on the ground, and when it showed up on the ground that morning, and they looked at it. Now, we, in our Bible, it says manna. That's that's how it's translated in there, but the Bible tells us that word means they didn't know what it was. They basically said, what's that? And said, that's the name of it. It's going to call, be called, what's that? Because they didn't understand what they had. They did not appreciate what they had. They had something. It was exactly what they needed. But they didn't understand and appreciate what it was. Friends, that's exactly what Martha's reaction was to Jesus in this passage. Now, now, now let's be careful. Don't, I don't want to be too hard on Martha. She's gone through some, something some of you have gone through. She's lost a loved one. So if you have dealt with that, and when you're in that circumstance, when you're in that situation, sometimes you're not sure what to do with it. And and I don't think she did either. She had had a death in the family a few days before. And she was glad that Jesus had come. Verse 20 tells us, uh, in our passage, verse 20 tells us that as soon as she saw or heard that he was come, she runs down to meet him. So she's glad that he came. But look at what she says in verse 21. She says, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now she's not wrong. If Jesus had been there, he had the power to heal Lazarus. He absolutely did. I believe that. He had done it for so many others. Why wouldn't he have done it for his friend? And he wasn't there, so she, for Lazarus did die. That's what happened. So she's not wrong in that, but you can also appreciate the fact that that's really what she wanted. I want my brother to be alive, and he's dead now. Now, she had strong faith. Look what she says in verse 22. She says, I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. She knows that Jesus is powerful. She understands this. And I think her faith in Jesus is strong. But she's sitting there grieving in pain. Like, again, many of you even understand this more than I can appreciate this because you've lost someone who's very, very close to you. You know the pain that she's enduring. And she's grieving in that pain. Now, Now, you and I know the end of the story. Y'all are church folk, y'all have heard this story before, but if in case you haven't, let me just tell you. If you go over to chapter, the same chapter in verses about 43-44, Jesus walks up to the grave and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus literally comes out of the grave, not as a dead man, but as a live man. And he's sitting there wrapped in his grave clothes, basically saying, hey guys, get me out of this stuff. Because he's brought back to life. Jesus does that for her. So we know the end of the story, but here's the problem. I stopped where I stopped because that's where a lot of us are in the middle of our problem. I don't know the end of the story. I you know one day, one day whatever you're dealing with this morning, one day you'll look back and say, "You know, God did this wonderful thing for me." And you even know, you even have faith like Martha that Jesus can do it. You do. You do. You believe it, but you don't feel it right now because you're in the middle of it, you see. One day you're going to have a story to tell. One day you're going to look back and you're going to say, look at the wonderful things God did for us. But in the moment you're saying what Martha said, Lord, if you'd have figured this out before now, we wouldn't be in this mess. Am I right? Now I know you don't want to talk like that to the Lord, but you do. At least I do sometimes. And I may not should, but I do. And God is gracious and kind. And he does exactly what the Lord does here. So we're in the middle of our problems. We don't know what's going to happen. But right now... Even though you don't know what is the end, I can tell you right now where you are, Jesus Christ provides exactly what you need right now. Now again, the story, I don't know how your story's going to end, but I can tell you no matter how it ends, good, bad, or indifferent, Jesus is what you need right now. Because he is our answer, he is our hope, we have to and we must depend on his power. I want you to understand this first by looking at verse 23. Jesus walks up to Martha and he says to her, thy brother shall rise again. Now when he says that, we understand what he means. We actually mean, he actually means, in the next few minutes, I know we're at a funeral, I know that we're supposed to be mourning the passing of your brother, but I'm actually going to walk up to his grave in just a few minutes and tell him to get out of there. And he's coming out. He's got the power to do this. He even says to her in verse 25, he says, "I am the resurrection and the life." I have the power that is necessary in this circumstance. I'm coming to bring life to the previously dead and gone. I'm coming to bring life to give to bring back to life the one who we are grieving over now. If you've ever been to a, a funeral before or, or, or especially a viewing, and you go by and you speak to the family and you have genuine concern and care and love for that family and, and you do what you can and you say what you can and you say, you know, we're praying for you and you, you genuinely are and we're worried for you and you genuinely are and you say, we'll do what we can for you and you genuinely would. But you know the one thing they want more than anything you could ever provide for them? I mean, unless they're crazy or something, but if they're normal people, you know what they want? They want that one that's dead to come back. I mean, again, I, I, we all want that, right? I mean, there, it would be wrong not to want that. We're grateful that we have the hope of the resurrection in that last day. Martha talks about this, that we will be reunited with loved ones in heaven. That is a hope. Paul even says, if that ain't real, then we ain't got nothing to hope for. We got, if, we're, if the resurrection's not real, we are men most miserable, he says. So, we do have that hope, but that's. I I can't come up and say, sorry, sir or ma'am, I feel so bad about your loss. Let me bring your brother, your mother, your sister back to life. I can't do that. Jesus can, did, does, that's what he does. He's got that kind of power. So, so I want you to understand this about Jesus' power it's not just help. Again, that one who's walking through the the line and and greeting a friend and loved one, you're helping. Don't misunderstand me. You're helping. You're, you're a friend. In fact, some of you have been on the receiving end of that. It's been a help to you, right? When a friend comes by and says, we're, we're praying for you. That's help to you. Jesus doesn't provide help. He provides exactly what you need. Precisely what you need. Nothing more than you need. Nothing less than what you need. He provides exactly. She's at, he's at a funeral. What does he do? He says, I bring resurrection and life. You're dead, he brings back to life. Can I go further and say, you want good government? He is the king of kings and lord of lords. You want a pastor? He is the chief shepherd. You want love? He is the very definition of what love is. First John tells us this, that it is defined by who he is. He is love. You have sin? Of course you do. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus is our propitiation, the very satisfaction for the sin that we have. He is not just help along the way. He's not just an encouragement. He is exactly, he has the power of precisely what you need. Therefore, if you've got that kind of power, again, not just power to kind of give you a little prod in the back, not just a little power to give you a little urging along, but the power to do exactly and precisely what you need. What do you do with that kind of power? You depend on it, right? It's what you ought to do. It's the only reasonable thing to do. If you've got exactly, Jesus promises us in Matthew chapter 28. He says, all power is my I've got it. It's in my control. And he says further, and lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the world, I'm with you. And I have all this power. So therefore, what should we do? Depend on that power. I had a a man that I worked for. He was the CEO of the company that I was with and he had given me a project to work on and he said, I need you to take care of this. It's a very significant thing. It's gonna have a lot of moving parts to it but I think you can handle it. I want you to take care of it. I got rolling on this project and he wasn't wrong. It was a very big, significant thing and I had a very difficult time getting it all together. And there was one group within the company that I needed their help to get something done. I needed them to do a lot of work. I couldn't do it. I needed them to take care of it for me. And so what did I do? I went to them and I said, hey guys, here's what I need you to do. This is the CEO who's asking me to do this. Would you help me out with this? Take care of these, these couple of things. They would give me sort of halfway of what I needed, wouldn't completely give me what I needed. I would have to fight and, and prod them and work with them and they never would quite give me what I needed. So i go back to the CEO and I said, hey man, they're not helping me. These guys over here, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus here or nothing, but they're not helping me. They're not giving what I need. He says, I tell you what, next time you have your meeting where you get everybody together and give the project update, make sure everybody's doing everything they're doing, he says, I want you to bring me into that meeting. He says, I'm going to sit quiet, I'm going to be there, I'm just going to listen, I'm going to fly on the wall, you do what you're going to do, but when it comes time to talk about what that group needs to be doing, that they're not doing, he says, I want you to remind them of what they're doing, and I'm going to step in, I'm going to say, do it Matthew says. That's all I'm going to do. Would you believe that he actually did that, and would you believe it actually worked? When the head man of the company looks at you and says, you're supposed to do this, it's funny how people do what they're supposed to do. Now here's the thing. He's a man. He controls a single company. And he has this much control even in that setting. Because as much as you want to do, you can't make people do stuff, you understand. But he had that kind of power in that setting. I actually have the God of the universe who has said to me, I have all power given to me. I will give you precisely what you need. I am resurrection and a life at a funeral. I am the King of kings and Lord of lords. I am propitiation for your sins. I am love. I am everything you need and everything that you can imagine. I am that. We have divine power available to us, therefore we should only depend on it instead of the half measures that we all depend on. You know what I depend on? I, I depend on this, and I know that's a big old muscle that y'all are looking at, but let me tell you, the Bible tells you that the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust you. I don't think it's a song, actually, not the scripture. But the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. That, that arm of flesh, those half measures will never satisfy. Do you need comfort this morning? Do you need hope this morning? Don't do like many of us do. Turn to food or drugs or friends. But instead we must turn to, as 2 Corinthians says, the God of all comfort. He is the one that can provide. Let me just, let's just level with each other here. Your problems seem like and probably are insurmountable. Do you know that? I don't, want, I don't want to give you any faults. Any like, oh, your problem's not that big a deal. No, your problem's hard. Your problem cannot be overcome. So therefore, if your problem is that difficult, then you have to go to the one who has divine power who can actually surmount your problem. It's insurmountable for you, but it is surmountable for Jesus Christ no matter what your circumstances are. But here's the thing about Jesus. He's not just bringing power like, I might, if you invited me to a birthday party, I might bring a gift to the, the person who we're celebrating the birthday. And therefore, you know, there's the gift. And you could basically say, okay, thank you, Matthew. You can leave now because you brought what I was looking for is that gift. That's so what I was always looking for at a birthday party. Was, I want a gift. I don't want you. I want the gift. That's not how Jesus' power works. You cannot divorce him, his power, from his person. He is actually the real gift. He is the gift. When he says, look at what he says in verse 25. He's saying, yes, I have the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And we focus on the fact that he's resurrection and the life because that's the power he brings. But don't miss the I am. And I recognize that this is a divine declaration. He is defining himself as God by saying I am. I understand that. But don't miss the fact that it's the simple language of I am. He's saying not just I have the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. So the point of that is to say that Jesus is what we need. Frankly, I need his power, yes, but I can't have his power if I don't have him. And more important than that, I could actually have eternal life without his power, but I can't have it without him. I need him. I've got to have him. The problem is, and this is, this is actually just a, not just a problem unique to you folks, So maybe give yourself a pat on the back, but at the same time, you're in the same boat with the rest of us. He's not what we want. That's why Isaiah wrote in chapter 53, verse 2, There is no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That we should desire him. That's why the manna of the wilderness was actually a, a type of Jesus Christ, providing exactly what the children of Israel needed. And that's why when they looked at it, they were like, I don't want that. What is that? They said. That's what we do when we see Jesus. You mean Jesus? Yeah, he's a good guy to sing about on Sunday morning. He's a good person to say I love because that's what Christians are supposed to do. But you mean I've got to actually depend on him in the middle of this circumstance? Yeah. He's the one that you must turn to. The problem is we only want his blessings. We want his power. We want his gifts. And too often we're willing to literally close the door in his face and take the present as it were if we invited him to a party. That's how we would do it. But he is the only one who satisfies. He is the only one for whom the world aches. Even Martha recognizes this. Look at what I mean in verse 27. She says to him after he asked her Believest thou this? In verse 26 verse 27 she says, Yea, Lord. I believe that thou art the Christ. Now, now please understand when she says that, she's saying a very, very big thing. She's saying, I believe that you're the Christ. She's not saying Jesus' last name. You may know this already, but it's important to know. When she gives him this label, the Christ, this is a title that is reserved and preserved for one person yeah, the whole of entirety of history. This is one that they would call the anointed one, the Messiah, the one for whom the world aches. It is the one who would solve every problem that the world has, the one who would actually mediate between God and man. This was the one that the Jews were looking for that would solve everything. In a small way, even today, the Gentile world still longs, and the Jewish world as well, still longs for a Messiah. They may not put that word to it, they may not call it that, but we're looking for somebody. Whether it is a president that we elect, whether it is a boss that we work for, whether it is a person that we marry, we're looking for someone to fill this void in our souls. And she's saying, Jesus, I know you're that one. You're the Christ. You are the Christ. She recognizes that. And in recognizing that, you need to recognize that there is no political system or politician that will fill that void. There is no physical feeling or emotion that will fill that void. There is no religious system, no set of education that will fill that void. As I said already, the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. And if you do not believe me, please, I encourage you, go read Revelation chapter 16. You read Revelation chapter 16, and this I believe is a true prophecy. We will see this happen one day. Uh, We will see this, I hope and I pray we're seeing that from afar, but we will see this happen. It will happen on this earth in which the seas themselves, the oceans will fail. The, 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 The bodies of humanity will fail. People will actually, the sun is going to fail. Everything that we depend on on this planet will fail. The Bible promises that will happen one day. But the one thing that will never fail is Jesus. He will never, ever, ever, ever fail. If you're looking for the might and the miracles without the man, you will be just supremely disappointed. I say all that as set up for this last point and I'm just signaling to you that this is my last point and I'm gonna close, but I want you to understand that everything I've said is set up for this last point because I want you to get this last thing. Yes, I think, and I know my audience, y'all are church folk, y'all were here last week, so I don't think, y'all are, for the most part, y'all are the, same, y'all are the same people that were here last week, so y'all, you must be, you must be committed to something. Or maybe you need to be committed. I don't know which way it is. But something, something's wrong with you. If, you. if y'all aren't church folks, y'all you are in the wrong place. Y'all know this isn't a nightclub or something. This is church. So y'all are this kind of people. So you understand. And I say that jokingly. But understand that, that you know that Jesus is powerful. Do you not? And more importantly, some of y'all experience that. You know he has power. And you know that only he has power. Many of you, if not all of you, have experienced his person. Yes, he's powerful, but you know that he is who you want. He is who satisfies. But I want you to see that Martha was in the same boat. She was already there. She didn't need to be convinced of those things either. She she was reminded of those things, but she didn't need to be convinced of them. Here's the thing: she knew that Jesus was power, had power in her problem. But here's the problem. She did not see his proximity to her problem. How close he was to the situation. She says, essentially, yes, I learned that in Sunday school. Or if I could put it for Martha, yes, I learned that at the synagogue. So look what she says, verse 22. Go back to the passage here, verse 22. She says, I know that even now, whatsoever thou ask of God, God will give it thee. I have faith in your power, Lord. I do. Look at verse 24. I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. I'm looking forward to heaven. Amen. Look at verse twenty-seven. We just read this. Yay, hey, Lord, I believe that Thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. I accept that You're the Messiah. She, her theology is spot on. You cannot fault her for that. But look, look at what she says in verse twenty-four. Again, I know that He shall rise again at the last day. She says, "Yeah, I believe in Your power, Jesus. One day, later." Look what she says again in verse 27. She's saying, yes, I believe that you're the Christ, the, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And as you look at what she's saying, she's thinking about the, 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 the sort of large-scale, cosmic salvation that would be happening. She says, yes, I believe in, may I use a big theological word, soteriology. I believe in proper soteriology. I believe in the atonement. And I believe, but I believe it in a spiritual sense. I don't believe in what you can do for me. Again, look at, the, the, I, read, I ended on verse 28 because of it. this is the most telling verse in the whole passage. She, Jesus is talking to her. He is coming and he is looking her in the eye and he's saying, I'm coming to help you. I'm going to give you the one thing you need. And she says, I believe everything you say, Jesus. I believe you. Another day in a spiritual sense. And then what she says at the end. She, after he said all these things she went her way and she called her sister Mary secretly and said the Master has come and called for thee now, don't get me wrong Jesus came to her too he loves Mary as much as he loves Martha but he also does he loves Martha she does what many of us do and said, Jesus I believe everything if that's being preached I believe everything that that bible says one day in a spiritual sense for somebody else i got a friend who needs Jesus. I need to tell him about it. And you should tell him about Jesus. i, I got a, a, a sister, a, a brother, a friend, a, a co-worker, a mother, a father. That, that They need this right now. And don't get me wrong. They need Jesus too. But it's not just them that need Jesus. You need Jesus too. It's for you. See, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But he is the resurrection and the life. Right here. Right now. For you. That's why I mentioned at the opening here in Matthew chapter 1 verse 34. His name is called Emmanuel. He is God. Yes. But he is God with us. That's why we can say what 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all of our care, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You can actually throw it on him, your cares. He says all your cares. You say, well, my care is stupid, or God doesn't care about my care. My, my care is something that is physical. My care is something that's just hurting me. Nobody knows about mine. I don't know all those things. I can't explain all those things, but I can tell you one thing. Jesus does care for you. It's not just spiritual, it's not just for somebody else, it's not just one day, it's right here for you, whatever your problem. He is called, he said he is available. His power and his work work for today's real problems, health problems, emotional needs, help when you're lonely, paying the bills. I don't know what those things are, but God has help for you. He is, can I go further? I said it wrong when I just said it right now. He doesn't have help for you. He's precisely what you need. Exactly what you need. Not the kick in the pants, not the prod along the way, but the exact thing you need. I think many of you this morning, and I I think I know my audience because I'm nothing else. I'm one of you, and I need to preach this myself so many times. I know that Jesus is able. I know that Jesus and Jesus alone offers exactly what I need. But I fail to see that he's offering it to me right here, right now, And by doing so, I missed everything about Jesus. So what is it you need this morning? You don't need to confess that to me. You just need to think about that to yourself and talk to the Lord about it. But whatever that is, I do know that there's actually one answer. One answer. And that is Jesus Christ. And I know you've heard about that in some way. Yep, he's come to save the world. Yes, your friends should need him. Yes, that life in heaven is going to be great and wonderful. We sing about it often. But you need him right here. He's the only hope that your situation has. Some of you have deep personal needs. Some of you, maybe even one or two of you, maybe more than that, that need salvation from your sins this morning. Some of you are saved. You're Christians. You need to repent of your sins this morning. All of us need to redirect our longings and our desires. I can guarantee you that. There's not a one of us that's uh, immune to that. Ultimately, we all need to find our purpose and our hope for living. We need to find peace in overwhelming times. We need a satisfaction apart from our stuff. Oh my goodness, isn't that a disease we all have? And I can just guarantee you, and I can just tell you, Jesus has, and Jesus is, the world-creating power that you desperately need. He is. He's that one. And he's right here, right now. I'm just inviting you, what you already know, embrace Jesus, run to him, come to him. You may say, well, Matthew, that's not very specific and not very, very concrete. And I'm I'm complaining about my own explanation of this because I don't feel like it's specific and concrete enough. And I don't know how to make it more specific and concrete, but just to tell you that wherever you are right now, you cry out to Jesus, he will hear you, he will answer you, and he will give you exactly what you need. You may not like what he has to say sometimes. Sometimes I don't like what he has to say, but he'll give you what you need. Come to him. Run right to it, embrace him. Would you do that this morning? I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite you to, to pray with me. And I do would like again if someone would play through a uh, just a, a, a verse of a song. Just want to give you an opportunity because because I, I, I can guarantee you there's not a person here that doesn't have something you're struggling with this morning. It might seem if you were to tell me about, it, I might say oh, that's not a big deal. It doesn't matter what I think about. It, it's what you're dealing with. You might tell me about, it, and I might say, Oh my goodness, I can't believe you're even dealing with that. That is overwhelming. You're the one dealing with it. Would you cry out to the Lord this morning? I just want to give you just a few moments to do that. We're going to pray. We're going to play through one uh, verse of a psalm. If you want to come forward, please do so. If you want to stand where you are, that is fine. Just talk to God about your need. Lord, please help us this morning. You've proven in your word that you are with us. You've proven time and again, I think we could give a testimony time. And people could testify to your presence in their lives in the times past. And I'm sure we're confident on the other side of this, we'll be able to say, You've done this, but Lord, we're in the middle of it right now, and it's hard to see. Please, God, help us cry out to you and know that you will provide exactly what we need right here, right now. Would you please? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please come to Christ. He's your only hope. Pray to him.